Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we're experts on teens. Yes, that's really a thing. We work as college admission officers, prep school administrators, and have coached and mentored thousands of teens in our careers. When it comes to teens, we have seen it all. Teens can be wild and wonderful all at once, but they can also frustrate the hell out of you. Good news is that we speak teens. So join us every week as we drop knowledge and interview teens and other experts to help you gain valuable insight into your teenager's world. Because parenting is hard AF, but we've got your back. Hi everyone, this is Kathy and Meredith, and today we're going to talk about what it's like to apply to college as a teenager these days. I, I probably don't have to say this, but I think I do because a lot of the parents that we work with are like completely shocked by how much the college admission process has changed in the last, I would even say in the last like two or three years, totally. COVID. Yeah. COVID has changed a lot of things. Schools are test optional now. And it's just really different these days for kids who are applying to college. And so today I'm very excited because we actually have a guest who is one of the students that I worked with last year as part of Village through her college background. I'll introduce her in a minute. Meredith and I are both former admissions officers. We both worked at USC together many, many moons ago. It's how we started our careers. And it's what got us first interested in working with teenagers. And I think, you know, as former admission officers, we get a lot of questions about what the admission process is like, what it's actually like to read applications. Anything else? Like what kind of questions you get? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of wanting to understand what's behind the curtain. And so leveraging that experience to help demystify a process that sometimes can feel kind of confusing and weird for folks. Yeah, it's I think that's one of the scariest parts of the application process is how dark. <laughs> the process is dark, dark, like the night. <laughs> it's not that bad. We're going to make yeah. it. Sophie's going to tell us about how she navigated it. Yeah, exactly. And she's going to tell us about the dark, happy college the dark and the light parts <laughs> too. <laughs> and I think, you know, a part of our, like why we have this podcast is, you know, we're trying to pull the curtain back yeah. for lots of different things related to the teenage experience. And I think college admissions is a big piece of that. And we just want to shine some light on, again, on a process that can feel really kind of hidden. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think part of it also is, you know, we, you know, first of all, a little disclosure as we start this episode, sort of the frame for this episode is we're, you know, we're going to speaking with Sophie is going to give us a lot of good insider information about sort of how she was feeling through the process. Um, But she was able to work with Kathy you know, in a, in a private college counseling construct. And not everyone can do that. Not everyone can afford that. And so I think it's really important to name that privilege. And part of what we hope to do with this podcast is to outline some of the elements involved in, in applying to college so that, you know, folks who are listening in can, can get a lot of really great information. And also to sort of remind everyone that there are over 4,000 four-year colleges and universities in the country. And often, and sometimes I make my my seniors do this, I make them literally get out a piece of paper and write down how many colleges they've heard of. And usually they peter out at around like 19 or 20. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. It's great. (laughs) 19 or 20 is actually high. (laughs) So, you know, we might be talking about certain kinds of places, but there are so many wonderful options out there at so many different ranges of selectivity and the pathways to college. No two students get to college in exactly the same way. And so we also want to, you know, we're going to be kind of hearing and learning more about one 
pathway one student's experience, but please know that there's just like so many wonderful possible options to pursue that get you to that four-year degree, if that makes sense for your child or you as a student. Yeah. So my my disclosure on this too also is that Sophie's awesome. Uh, <laughs> and she's a high achieving student who went to a public school in Marin. And I believe you were a valedictorian of your class. Yes, she's nodding. <laughs> so she's a really good student and just involved in a lot of cool things and just overall a awesome human being who I feel really privileged to have worked with through the process and I'm a fan. So that's why I invited Sophie today on our podcast. And she right now is a freshman at Wesleyan in Connecticut studying for her midterms and her brain hurts a little bit today. She literally tells us. in the basement of the library. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> exactly. So uh, hopefully nobody else goes to the basement of the library to take a break. But so Sophie, why don't you start us off and tell us, kind of give us like an overview of your process or like how you kind of went into, like how you went into, if you can recall all, you know, <laughs> it's been a little bit of time. I know seniors always like, once they get to college, they kind of forget the whole it's thing. All it's, blur. Like, it's all a blur. It's like, what happened? But if you can remember, like, how did you, what were you thinking when you went into your process? Like, just where were you mentally? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I love that question because I think that plays a big part in just like my story in general was that I have two older sisters and one um, is six years older than me and one is three years older than me. And the oldest, Rachel, went to Scripps College. She's actually already graduated. She took a gap year. She was pre-med going in, switched and went to physics major. And now she's like a biotech engineer gal. But my point being that she applied to over 20 schools, like two objectively, as I think happy. That's a lot. And Meredith would agree, too many. But I watched that and I watched her Mm. crumble applying to an IVED and she was brilliant. She was salutatorian and whatever. She was the definition of pre-med and just really smart, like like raw, smart test grades, test scores and everything, which wasn't my case. And she struggled. She went big, she went small, she went private, she went public. And it was like freaking whiplash. But I was 12 watching this Mm. and was like, whoa, she looks so stressed. That's scary. But then she ended up at this tiny random school that I'd never heard of, Scripps. If you haven't heard of it, it's in the Claremont schools of Pomona. Great school. And then my other sister, Sarah, went a completely different route. She's a student athlete at UCLA. She's a gymnast and applied to one school, UCLA, because she had committed. And to be fair, she actually was a walk-on. But I watched that process and it was like between UW and UCLA from her junior spring. Like it was not at all this process of, you know, applying and oh, shaping myself. Her essays, I read them, they were very mediocre. Um, <laughs> 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 I hope your sister's not listening. Great. You have these two like test balloons yeah. that went ahead of you. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So anyways, my point is that my mindset, and that was when I was a freshman in high school watching this happen. So I was able to go from like middle school being all insecure and watching my oldest sister go through it. And then freshman year going into high school, watching my other sister do it. And Sarah, the middle sister actually completed pre-med at UCLA and is going to be applying to med school next year. And so again, I just had these like very different, and I'm also interested in public health, I'm in healthcare. So I had two different sisters going into STEM fields at two opposite types of schools and was able to visit them and really like get a feel for what I liked. So my mindset going in was that I knew I wanted a smaller school. I also knew based on 
how much I admired and respected my oldest sister and how just intelligent I knew she was and how she was on paper that like she got rejected from a lot of schools. She got accepted mm-hmm. too. But schools that I was like, you didn't take my sister. Who the hell do you think you are? And <laughs> random admissions officers that don't know her. And I guess kind of that really helped my mindset be like, this is the most impersonal. It's personal. And that's part of my big advice is that like, sure, it is kind of personal because it's you, but it's so impersonal. And I remember just being so aghast when I was 12 years old, watching my sister knock it into every school of her dreams. So anyways, I just think that my mindset going in was really just to like, acknowledge that I like try to be as as few schools as possible because I saw what mm-hmm. my sister went through and as disconnected as possible. But to be clear, that didn't go that smoothly, but that was my mindset. Like those were my personal goals that I talked to Kathy mm-hmm. about and wanted for the process was to like not take it personally. Although I did kind of miss the <laughs> miss the bar on that with my early decision. <laughs> it's hard. It's, a hard, it's hard. It's hard. It's yeah, hard. I did okay on the other ones. Kathy, what do you think? Regular decision, I think I handled pretty breezy. I think it's hard because you, I mean, I think also like, I think for kids too, with ED, it's like they, you know, you have this picture in your mind of this one school, that's the the best school for you. Right. And I think you were very, would you agree, Sophie? You were like, this is, this is my school. This is like, oh my God. I was like, I was like, universe is telling me this is a school for me. I am meant to go here. If I don't go here, the world is ending What the hell. (laughs) Like literally God has spoken to me. I'm not even religious. Like I was and it was funny because it wasn't even characteristic of me. It was just like, there are too many signs. Oh, I have to. Yeah. If I don't get in, yeah. like, what, what is the world doing to me? Like, and it felt that simple, which is not how it should ever feel. And I would never tell. And then the funniest thing is I was relieved when I didn't get in. But I think, <laughs> so, I think that's actually really an important point. Like, how do you move through the process in a way that's like targeted, right? So you don't replicate the experience of your older sister who just cast her nuts so wide, because that's a really great way to get a very stressful process. And also like, how do you care and invest without it becoming like a referendum on who you are, which like we don't want. And that's tricky. It's not easy. And sometimes I think you just have to like, some of the ways we learn is just to experience. I'm so curious about, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but if you had to give advice to the senior version of yourself, now knowing what you know, landing where you've landed, what do you think you would tell yourself? The advice I would give to myself is to really just focus on knowing myself and knowing that I've done the best I can. And and not even necessarily, but like also I hate the word best you can, but best I could have given circumstances in high school. Like everybody has their ups and downs. So like I didn't do everything that maybe my freshman year self would have thought I would have. But to my senior year self, I would have been like, hey, take a breath. You lived through a pandemic. You like had some injuries. You had some family stuff. Like every single human does to be right. here. And to just, before even starting my first application, like look myself kind of in the mirror, either metaphorically or literally, and been like, this is what the facts are. And don't be applying already in a regretful, like self-deprecating state where you're like, Ugh, well, if only I had done this club instead. And like, that's just like the worst mindset to be in while doing it. Cause it will make the entire process miserable, especially especially if you're comparing yourself to an unrealistic version of yourself. Like there's nothing worse. It's another thing to compare yourself to another person, but it's another thing to compare yourself to yourself. Like going back through your transcript being like, if only I had studied harder, I wouldn't have an A minus, I'd have an A. But you just have an A minus, so get over it. You can't change it. Like, yeah. so 
and Kathy and I would talk a lot about that. Like, but the facts are what the facts are. So there's no point to cause even more stress. And with that, no one thing is the reason that you get in or don't get into a college. No one thing. So also get over yourself with that little thing that's really bothering you. So I mean, absolutely nothing to the admissions process. Like I had this one AP score that pissed me off. Oh, it just got under my belt because I felt so like defiant that I should have gotten a higher grade because I aced the class. Who cares? <laughs> like if a school rejects you based on one AP score, that's weird. Like you don't want to go to school. So, <laughs> I love so get it. Over it. And that's not the case. So just mm. take yourself outside yourself for a second. I love <laughs> this way. I love that yeah. the, well, you've always been very wise, right? But I know it was hard to channel that wisdom when you were going through the process, right? Like, what would you say to a senior who's like really getting themselves tied up in knots over the what ifs and the shoulds? Like, what do you think would actually help a somebody, a senior going through the process right now who's just really has all this self-doubt? Because I see it a lot in the kids that I work with. And I think I'm sure Meredith does too. Yeah, yeah. It's understandable. So yeah, with that, I'm actually right now, my two little cousins that are seven months younger than me are going through the college process. And they live in Wyoming, totally different background, but I'm very close to them. So I've had some experience talking to seniors right now through the process Mm -hmm. and gotten to know what I would say. And I think one big thing is that it is a very personal experience. And I really definitely emphasize the point of like, you don't need to talk about your process with other people in terms of like, what you write mm-hmm. your essay about or your totally. school. That's yes. not necessary. Good advice. But yes. Saying Good the advice. general words of like, I'm really stressed and owning it with a friend. And then like just giving each other a moment to like not feel like you're alone in your stress because it is a common experience, which I think doesn't invalidate it. It like helps you get through it and not feel so alone in the feeling in the sense of like going out with a friend and like honestly giving each other a hug if you're that type of person or like just like screaming or like acknowledging that that is the thing stressing you out but without going into it like no need to Mm. talk about what you just heard back from just being like you're really stressed about college right i am like you're a senior that's what you're stressed if that's your select group of friends and just acknowledging that like one of my best friends is in a completely different boat than me but we're both still stressed And like being able to just like not pretend like that's not what's on your mind because faking it can sometimes be so exhausting. Mm -hmm. So I would tell a senior, hey, you're really stressed. You know it. Your friends know it. You know your friends are stressed. Acknowledge it. Be like, accept your feelings. Stop trying to like pretend like that's not what you're feeling and stop being snappy and like all like, I'm fine. Like you're not fine. It's okay. (laughs) Chill. Um, And so like take a breath and just don't, Talk about it, just like feel it. Be okay in your feeling, but don't be alone. I guess I love advice. it. I know, see, Sophie. Sophie. Mm-hmm. I love the mindfulness. Yeah, like you got to feel the feels because if you don't, or you try to push them away, or you try to avoid them, they're gonna come back and slap you upside the head, right? But I also like you know not overly looping with it either, right? Because sometimes our brains tell us a lot of things when we're in states of stress that like we probably shouldn't believe or trust, right? And so I love that support system. curious to hear your thoughts on parents in this process. You know, Kathy and I work with a lot of families, a lot of parents. Sometimes everyone's in alignment about what things should look like or where things should go. And sometimes that's not so much the case, but I'm specifically from your kind of vantage point. How do you think parents can best support students 
through the process, like what would be some do's and don'ts that they might want to keep in mind for their child? I love that question. I've given that a lot of thought, especially because most students a funny have. Anecdote, <laughs> yeah, a funny anecdote on that is that I live very close to my grandparents, who are obviously a generation above. And then I, I live with my mom and my stepdad. And my mom grew up in LA and had a very kind of like similar upbringing to myself. And then my stepdad's from like the rural South, did not go to undergrad, went to night law school, very different background. And I say that because my mom, she kind of thought she understood the process, like a little bit tried to like put herself in my shoes and like share her wisdom from her times. Well, or I should say she did that with me. Back in my day. From the before times. Parents, that never works. She she sort of did that with my oldest sister, but quickly learned not to do that with me, which was great. And but I also say this because like my stepdad like thought I was gonna go to Harvard. He was like, You're you're Mm. brilliant. And I was like, No, I'm not. It's okay. You are brilliant. (laughs) You're you're pretty brilliant. Let's let's pause with the that anecdote. My point being, he had a very like stereotypical outlook on colleges. And my mm. point saying, I don't know whose parents are whose right now. But with that, my grandpa, to be clear, thought I was going to an Ivy League school. He thought Wesleyan was Ivy League. And I was like, Grandpa, no. I mean, there so, probably is a lot of Ivy there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Oh, um, <laughs> no, but actual Ivy. Like actual Ivy, <laughs> which is what the Ivy League is for. No, and so basically. This is just to get it out of my head. This isn't what I want sharing with everyone. But there's a lot of different perspectives. And my general perspective for every parent is to stay as supportive as possible and remove from the actual process as mm-hmm. possible. In the sense of like, you know what? If you read their essay and you don't love it, but they're working with someone, be like, thank you for sharing. Don't comment. There is nothing else to say. Acknowledge that your kid is super stressed and actually gave you permission to read their essay. Huge deal. Big steps, parent. And you might never read it. And don't take that personally. Because you know what? They could be very insecure and hate their personal statement and not want their parent who they respect and love, whether they say it or not, to read it and have an opinion. So whatever is the case for your kid, don't actually criticize it or or overly praise it, just like make it about the moment of what it means to the kid. And then sense of like telling, if they tell you they got rejected or accepted to a school, or they're thinking about applying to a school, just be like, how do you feel about that? Or like, oh, I'm, thank you for telling me. I'm so glad to know. Just mm-hmm. like acknowledge that actually it has nothing to do with you. And if you make it about you, that will make them so much more stressed because they'll feel like their parents love or approval is on the line in this process, which is the opposite of what they need. That what they need is just like, you are going to, anything that happens is okay, or at least that mindset, especially for the beginning or during the waiting. Like once they've applied, especially just, I mean, I would say before the applications go in, sure, expose them to the schools you want. And like, that's great. And that's a fun process. And, you know, talking about it with them and giving insight onto like, Hey, we were raised in a hot climate. Are you sure you want to go to the snow or something like that? Like being a parent. But then once during the application, especially if they're working with a counselor, or actually I would say encourage them to work with a counselor, even at a public high school. Yes, they're overbooked. I went to one, but there are resources for a lot less money than full-on private ones. From my perspective, from the friends I know, parents trying to be the college counselor usually doesn't go great. So don't try that maybe. And then <laughs> during the waiting, just again, like 
just like I would tell kids, what's happened has happened. So like trying to feed in some sort of like, oh, I feel it. It's going to go great. No, just mm-hmm. you don't know. <laughs> don't, don't, don't like put high hopes. You're like, you're the best. Like, sure, they are the best kid of yours, but that doesn't mean anything for the college process. So just, you know, not focusing right. on outcomes, I think right. is a big thing. Truth bombs, be truth bombs. I know, Sophie's dropped Love it. Great. <laughs> I don't know if that truth bomb made sense to myself, but I tried. No, I think so. I think I th- I think what you're you're also putting out there, like I can imagine as a parent listening to this that I think parents often feel like they're in such a hard spot, especially with the college admissions process, right? Because they want to make sure that your sense of self and your confidence stays intact while still being realistic about the process. Like they're trying to balance, you know, I think as a parent, it's so tricky to balance like support, right? Like how do I be supportive as a parent without putting more pressure, right? Like adding pressure. Say, you know, most people, and I think this is probably more true for parents watching their children go through something, don't love uncertainty. It doesn't always bring out the best. And this is a this is a process that is inherently uncertain and unpredictable. I mean, there are ways we can make some good educated guesses about outcomes, but there's a lot of students who do everything right and they will get rejected from certain schools, right? And so I think that's a reality that can be, you know, we sort of understand that in the culture. And I think for a lot of parents, that's very unsettling. They just, they don't wanna see their child experience discomfort. But I, what I love what you were saying, Sophie, is what you need from them is sort of that unconditional support that no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome, I love you, I care about you, and you're gonna be okay, and you're gonna figure it out. And I think that's something that like we try to work with students on is sort of, innate capacity, innate resilience, regardless of the outcomes. The outcomes are sort of going to be what they are. Mm-hmm. And I like that. You and know, To go off that real quick, to just plug, I guess, honestly, to my mom, is that her, a big thing that I remember her saying to me during the college process was like, no matter where you go, I know you and you will make the most of it. Like every mm-hmm. school has classes and professors and good opportunities. Sure, maybe to an extent like sizes, make a difference, but you can make a study group. Like you might have to work harder to have the same experience that you say would desire and could have more easily at some schools. But my mom very consistently would say to me in the process, like, but I know your character and you will make the most of it. And just, I guess my point being emphasizing my own strengths and who I am in the process and making it independent of the school. And in a way, apply to all of the schools I applied to in the sense that like, it doesn't matter on any one school. Like a big thing for me was like, I wanted to be in a pretty place and go outdoors. Mom was like, well, no matter where you end up, I know you and you will find hidden thing, a hidden pretty places in a cornfield, which was a school I was considering <laughs> or in trees, you know? So there were different options and really focusing on like, if you go to a city, you can take public transportation to pretty places. Like she would even go that far with the weird mm-hmm. twisted optimism. But I so loved that because it made it so it was like not about the school at all. And it was like focusing on my strengths of being creative and making and adaptable. And maybe that isn't the case for a kid, but say someone's really into, you know, theater. It's like, well, there is theater at every school and you can find local theater groups. Like, like focusing it to your kid and making your support applicable no matter what the outcome is, I think is a really soothing and supportive mindset. And just like truly steering away. Like I remember my mom just like never really focused on any one school. Even the school yeah. I applied early decision. Yeah. Never really yeah. gave an opinion. Mm-hmm. She was yeah. kind of like, if that's the school you want to apply early decision to, go for it. Yeah, like, I love that. 
I love that. And I think it's so hard for parents not to levy some sort of judgment <laughs> or opinion about your yeah. list, right? Or like where or they would- project their personal experiences. Or, or, and, or preferences. You know. Like this is what I like you to yeah. do, right? So I think it's it's great that you had that experience that your mom was able to make you feel good about your list, like from top to bottom. There wasn't judgment around it, right? Regardless. Sorry, I also have yeah. one last thing for parents. I'm so sorry to keep going. Yeah, but this yeah. one's no, like a huge thing okay. that I really do want to have plugged in there. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, parents. You have <laughs> no idea what it is like to apply to college in the age of technology and social media. And I yeah. cannot say that enough. Yeah. You're listening to a podcast. Those didn't exist when you applied. Like there are so many levels of this that didn't exist besides the actual applications and classes and academics that make it so much more stressful than it needs to be, than it should be. Mm-hmm. If there were no phones, I promise you, your kid would have far less panic attacks or <laughs> feel less depressed or be less scared of this process because there are scary as heck TikToks and Instagram and mm-hmm. YouTube videos mm-hmm. of like me getting into brown. Here's my resume. Here are my test scores. And it's like, bro. Yeah. Like, I might. On my YouTube feed the other day popped up was a girl reading all of her essays, her UC essays that got her into all the UCs. I was like, oh dear. (laughs) And it's like, it's so, I would use the word, I I hate this word because I think it's very overused, but the word is toxic. And I would say it is, it's suffocating and claustrophobic. And you, I'm not saying this as in you can do anything about it. Don't take away their phone. That's just going to make them mad at you. But my point is have empathy. You don't know the level of like, just overwhelming stress that exists in the world of being a teenager. Yeah. And that's just something that honestly for better, not for worse, but for better, or for worse in terms of empathy, you'll never understand. And that's just the reality. So trying to understand is just like kind of a hopeless task um, in yeah. the nicest of ways. Just like, I guess my point being give an extra room of buffer. If you think you're being so patient, just remember be even more patient because there's this level that you'll never grasp that makes it just so hard to feel in your own journey with it. You feel like you're in all of your friends' business and people that you don't even know business. And that's super stressful on like this existential level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah totally. That's that's very deep and real, Sophie. That's like some real talk right there. Mm-hmm. And I would just say like, well, I'm curious to know what you would say, you know, this idea of what I'm hearing you say is I need what I needed the most from my parents was empathy, right? That this process is really stressful. It's really hard. It's causing me to doubt all of my conflict. Right. Right. All of this, the stuff and it's, it's hard and it's complicated. And I, what I really needed was empathy. And what that looked like was mm-hmm. accepting my college list, focusing on my personal strengths and not, what colleges were going to make me, right? Like, is there anything else that that looked like that's like a really concrete thing that a parent could do for their kid? Yeah, I think a really concrete thing that I just picked up on you saying is not saying, I know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Because my point is kind of that you don't, even though if even if you went to, you were very rigorous in high school and your student, your kid did the same and went to a competitive Mm -hmm. school. Right. It's again, it just every year it gets different. Like, I don't even know what kids are going through this year. Like, mm-hmm. I have to acknowledge the fact that it's a year out of pandemic. So, to go back to a concrete thing, rather than saying, 
I get what you're going through. I understand why you're so stressed. Mm -hmm. Be like, I have no, I cannot imagine how stressful it must be to be applying to school in a pandemic or Mm -hmm. a year after a pandemic Mm -hmm. or a year when schools are going test optional and then going back on it. Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine what it must be like when you're at this school with such competitive people around you. It must be very exhausting to be applying or it must be very exhausting. Don't focus on other people. It's your process. I love you no matter what. And I'm here for you, but I understand why this must be very hard. And I respect if you want me to give you space or not. Mm-hmm. And just like saying concrete things that are like, I promise you, if you say to a kid when they're very stressed, I like, I know what you're going through. They're going to snap and say, no, you don't. Cause that's <laughs> what I did. <laughs> and cause it feel you feel kind of defensive. Like you feel like you're, sure. you're what's it called? Um, invalidating or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, making yeah. it impersonal. Yeah. Your 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 feelings so, are being minimized. Yeah, yeah, minimized. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. So yeah. I guess that's the concrete thing. Before you give advice to your or say anything to your kid if they're stressed, just like take a second and say, "Am I saying this for me to feel more equal with them? Am I minimizing their feelings, or am I maximizing my acknowledgement of what they're going through?" And just being so clear in my purpose. And my purpose is to help them and make them feel supported. And if Mm -hmm. that's your real purpose to like not make it about yourself at all, which I assume it is for every parent, but like sometimes you have to catch yourself because that is my mom's purpose. And she still would mess up because she's a human. Sure. Y'all are human. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. It's hard. Like, so, anyways, I think just like as much as you can. And honestly, as crappy as this sounds, saying nothing is better than saying the wrong thing sometimes because when a kid's already spiraling, one comment could lead to a bit of a crash versus just giving them space. But I mean, I I don't want to say, say nothing. That's not really my advice. Yeah, but no. Try to reflect. What I'm kind of hearing you say, Sophie, is like, there's a difference in the posture of like going into something, even if you have good intentions, a posture that's like assuming, like assuming Mm -hmm. what your kid, you know what's going on or assuming that because you've dealt with stress in your own professional or personal life that you understand the stress that your kid is experiencing right now. And like, there's a real big difference between that kind of posture and a posture that's just curious, Mm -hmm. you know, that's more open and curious. So I'm hearing you say, you know, approach your kid with curiosity and don't make assumptions about that you immediately understand or can identify with their feelings, acknowledge that the process looks so radically different. And, you know, Kathy and I know that it changes radically every year. Mm And to sort of like just love up on your kid. I mean, that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I think hearing you say it back, that is what I'm saying. But I also can hear, though I'm not a parent, I can imagine how hard it must be to hear acts like I don't know what it's going through. They're my kid. I raised them. They live under my roof. What do you mean I don't know what they're going through? Like, I totally get why you have that reaction. And if it comes down to do they like broccoli or not? Yeah, you probably know the answer. And that sounds super simple, but like that's just not what this is. So I hear why a parent might be defensive and like it's my kid. But this again, as much as the process isn't personal to them, it's not personal to you either. This is just this very odd thing that's like so weird and abstract and there Mm -hmm. aren't any rigid do's or don'ts. So it's impersonal to your kid. It's impersonal to you how your kid is reacting. None of it actually means anything to their personality or yours or your relationship. And as distant as you can make that relationship with the college process and each other, I think mm. it's a win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not letting yeah. 
I think that's good advice. Distancing yourself from the process itself. You know, it's really hard just like detach from that kind of investment, right? That people have in this process. Totally. So we're almost out of time, Sophie, but we, we, are so appreciative having you with us today as our guest. You, you great stuff. Tr- truth bombs. Truth bombs. That's boom, what boom, we're about. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So it was lovely to see you and talk to you, but good luck on your midterms. I'm sure you'll do your best as you always do. I love that your study break from your midterms was to talk to us. It was, was a podcast about <laughs> being in college. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Okay, girl, you need to go get some caffeine, some snacks. You need to go talk to some friends. I thought you were late because you were out late last night, but no. No, no. You're like, no, I'm studying, Kathy. No, I mean, to be fair, Kathy, just side note, you'd be proud. I did terribly on my first bio midterm, totally bombed it. So we're making up. Yeah. You're, it's learning, right? You're learning. I mean, there's an adjustment. That's yeah. what people think you go to college oh and God. all of a sudden, like, we're not instantly good at everything. Yeah, exactly. No. Learn, learning is a process. Yeah. And this is what I mean. I got defensive because I felt like, dang, I should have aced that. I knew the material. Well, you know what? I didn't take in a test in person in 18 months. So get there you go. yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm so proud of you, Sophie. I love it. Oh, Kathy. Awesome. Oh, it was a pleasure to meet you, Meredith. So awesome. Yeah, you're great. I'll always I love it. Girl. <laughs> love it. You're so sweet. So, okay. It was so good to see you. All right. We'll let you go now. Okay. And good I'll luck. talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh my gosh. So great. Wow. Was she so wise or what? <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it so much. I know. She's great. We didn't pay her. We didn't bribe her. No, we didn't. We didn't really even prep her. I know. We should send her like a Starbucks gift card or something at the very least. (laughs) In hindsight. So anyways, I I, I hope that was, I mean, I, I find it really helpful. I find just overall in my work, in my practice, whenever I don't know something or I'm confused about something as it relates to teenagers, like what's really going on here? How do I create a program that would best support what they need? Like, I just go ask teenagers and that's kind of what this podcast is about, mm-hmm. you know, bringing in the expertise that our teens have, right? They have, they, they are the keepers of, of so much useful and helpful knowledge. So I'm, I'm hope Sophie was able to share some of that with y'all. Any other final thoughts, Meredith? Lots of wisdom today. Yeah, I mean, I think what I really appreciated about Sophie is that she was talking about this weird tightrope that parents are asked to walk between. Obviously, you're invested. Obviously, you spend a lot of time and energy and resources in getting your child to, you know, 17 and 18 years old. So we don't want to, we also don't want to minimize that and all of what that has required of you as parents. But part of why you did it is so that they could turn into their own little humans and stand on their own two feet. And that comes with their own thoughts. And it means that they are going to move through the process in ways that are individualized, which is beautiful. So I think one of the best things to do is to support that sort of burgeoning independence and help them learn how to become even more confident. And what I heard her saying is like, the way you do that is through a lot of empathy, through a lot of curiosity, and you know, not trying to sort of Overimpose your experiences onto onto their reality, right? Right, or put too much emphasis on what college you get into, right? Right. right. I think that's something just in our work as college counselors, constant work. and 
in our in our work as college coaches and our work as just school people that we see causing students a lot of stress is when they feel that their parents are putting a lot of whether it's intentional or not even if it's explicitly stated some parents do explicitly mm-hmm. state like mm-hmm. these are the schools that we think are, are, accept- are acceptable, acceptable yeah. for you to go to and that puts for a lot of kids a lot of pressure on yeah and what's the end game there you know like okay so a kid gets into school and so you know one of the things we're trying to talk a lot to parents about is we, yeah we obviously care about where students are at at 18 or 20 when they're in college but also at 30 and 40 when they become adults in the world how do we set them up in ways where they can really sort of thrive and i think the what i loved about sophie's anecdotes and also just sort of sharing the experiences of her sisters too is that it's a good reminder that there are any number of colleges where your child can thrive can be happy can find these just really rich meaningful experiences academically socially mm-hmm. um, and grow absolutely it's not all in you know those absolutely. 19 schools that i make kids write down right <laughs> exactly <laughs> and parents quite frankly yeah. I have also done that exercise with parents. parents. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, and parents. I mean, we we all kind of can tick mm-hmm. off the same. And regionally, too, you might, the schools might change a little bit, but overall, mm-hmm. we can kind of all think of the same 20 schools or so. Mm-hmm. And my, my final thought I want to put out there, because we Sophie did talk a bit about, you know, and Meredith talked about it at the beginning of the episode, is, you know, working with independent counselors on this type of through the college process. I think there is a benefit to it. We'll have another episode specifically on looking for independent counselors or thinking about it. And, you know, Meredith and I have many thoughts about this, both as many thoughts, thoughts, having been on the school side and on the independent side. I think there are some best practices and kind of Guidelines. Guidelines. Yeah. Guidelines. Things to think about. To keep in mind if that's kind of the path that you're going to go. And because there are a lot of different options out there. Um, And there are plenty. And it's just a reminder, there are plenty of kids going through this process without independent counselors Mm -hmm. who are quite successful (laughs) at applying to college as well. So I just want to reiterate that. So that's it for this podcast. We will be back with more episodes on college admissions. We'll be talking to an admissions officer to share their experience working and actually evaluating applications and what that's like. And lastly, Meredith and I are going to be hosting an essay workshop over the summer for students who are going to be writing their personal statement as part of the common application. And it's for- I love essay workshops. Yo, love essay workshops. Well, kids an essay door. don't love the essay workshop because they don't want to write their personal statement, but they love the essay workshop yes. afterwards because they're really happy that they banged out a personal they essay. So much done in such a In like four days. And it's also the timing is so important, right? Because they're not also juggling school, also juggling sports, also juggling a million other things. Right. They summer. can really focus on writing. And what we find, I mean, what I found is for students who don't do a summer essay workshop, they really struggle with procrastination and like you said, balancing a million different activities while they're still trying to do this kind of deep thinking about who they are and what they want to share about themselves. So anyways, that's just... Stay tuned. Yeah. More, just, more information on, on that will be coming out soon. That's just a big plug for our SA workshop. Shameless. shameless plug. That's it for us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. If you like what you're hearing and you have friends with teenagers, please share it with one of them. 
You can check out this episode and others on our website, wespeakteam.com. And we want to know what you want to know. So if you have questions or hot topics that you want us to cover, email us at hello at wespeakteam.com.